0: Hello, this is Karen Griffin introducing Space to Be's podcast on people and performance, leadership and love. Conversations with leaders, practitioners, experts, authors and anyone with extensive experience and good insight into the world of work in the 21st century. Today I'm delighted to introduce Professor Julie Hodges. Julie is a Professor of Organizational Change at Durham University, a Consulting Advisor, and author of several articles and eight books, including one published in May 21, Managing and Leading People Through Organizational Change, The Theory and Practice of Sustaining Change Through People. Mm. Hi Julie. As an alumni of Durham University, I'm personally so pleased to have you with us today. I'm delighted to be here, Karen, and thank you
1: for the invitation to talk with you about organisational change.
0: There is so much richness in your latest book and feel we could focus in on so much. However, today I hope we could chat about three important aspects of leading and managing change. Firstly, the nature of change today in 22 in comparison to 10 to 20 years ago. Secondly, the impact of organisational change on emotions. And thirdly, understanding and carrying out cultural change and some of the critical success factors you believe any organisation needs to be aware of. The reason I've chosen these three areas out of the 10 chapters of incredible content is because I'd love to hear your academic and consulting perspective on the recent years of disruption and how they they have changed the fundamental nature of change, and secondly, we know that change is messy for anyone going through it, and for those leading and facilitating it, it can also be an emotional roller coaster. Finally, post pandemic and subsequent changing times, there are so many businesses and organisations out there at the moment reviewing their cultures. So I thought hearing some top tips from you on this subject would be highly valuable. Is this okay with you?
1: Yeah, no, that's great, Karen. And I think you've chosen three really good topics to look at, as you say. And what's happened is that COVID has accelerated organisational change and it's caused a lot of disruption. It's caused a lot of uncertainty within organisations. And a number of organisations are looking at their business models as a result of that, And also, ultimately, it's all about how does this impact on the people and the processes and the culture of organisations?
0: Yeah. So the nature of change today in 22 in comparison to, say, 10, 12 years ago. In your book, you succinctly summarise what we know to be through painful experience every week in our world that basically planned change on its own doesn't work. From your perspective, can you say why this is and why perhaps it used to work 20 years ago, but not so now?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, there are different types of of changes and, and different approaches in terms of how change emerges and evolves over time. So sometimes change is very deliberate. It's a product of conscious reasoning and action. And this is the type of change that we call planned change but in contrast change can unfold in a very spontaneous and an unplanned way and this type of change is referred to as emergent change and and often planned change comes from the top down it's structured it's linear it's deliberate it's very logical whereas emergent change can come from anywhere within the organization and it's much more um, flowing it's much more holistic as, as well. And it's not something that is planned for. If we think about, for example, the pandemic, that was emergent change. It happened that virtually overnight, organizations had to move all their staff from working in offices to working at home. Um, and that's why it's useful to know, I think, about the different types of, of change, because plan change is common. It's the most you know common form of change that happens in organizations. Yeah. Um, but it's not without its limitations as well. It, it tends to represent um change that is done by a very programmatic way, a step-by-step approach. Um, and it has often a clear beginning, middle, sometimes, but not always a clear ending to it as as well and and change within this context is about often creating a new order a new way of working a new way of of doing things too and and the the often the focus is on re-establishing order re-establishing stability as as well and in contrast though to planned change then change that is truly transformational and breaks new ground is is not always predetermined. Um, Emergent change is iterative, it's unpredictable, it's often unintentional and it can come from anywhere and involve um, different people across the organization as well too. And, you know, planned change absolutely works when people are engaged with it, engaged from the start whenever it's feasible to do so. But often what we see with planned change is linear approaches, that if you start with A, then you'll end up eventually at B. And change is much more about a cyclical, cyclical approach when we're looking at it from a, a planned yeah. perspective.
0: OK, so I mean, everything you're saying here speaks to me because we're dealing with this all the time. And I'm a huge fan of emergent change. But equally, everything you're saying there, planned change still has its has its place and I, i'm i was interested in the different words that you're putting around tra- planned change such as restating order and and stability as opposed to more emergent change which might be more about transformational change and entering into new spaces and it can come from anywhere. so that's all of that's really really interesting and i'm uh, originally many years ago in fact at durham with you we did the mba i did an mba yeah, and obviously it's very much around planned change in those days a long time ago but re- more recently i've done a one-year gestalt approach to um organizational change which is very much in, in the uh, from the domain of changes emergent and and cannot be planned so it's really interesting to see and hear about these different perspectives so something i'm continually grappling with So what words of wisdom do you have for those of us in the field on how we and our clients best manage both of these approaches?
1: Okay, so change is complex. It can be chaotic as well. Um, We never know where we'll end up with change, particularly when we're talking about transformational change. Um, There is a concept called incremental change and that's step-by-step change and that's happening around us all the time. The Japanese refer to it as kaizen. So so that is is often easier to deal with and, and we're more used to it. But when it comes to transformational change, that can hit the deep structure, the mission, the vision of a company. And what's important with transformational change is whenever feasible to do so. And I always say whenever feasible to do so, because sometimes change has to be imposed if it's regulatory, if it comes from um, legislation, etc. Whenever feasible to do so, it's looking at engaging people, key stakeholders early in the change and early in the discussions about Um, ideas about what the organization needs to do in order to improve in order to um, engage more effectively with its customers Um, so it's about engaging stakeholders in terms of looking at the ideas the um, opportunities how to address challenges as well as think about what needs to be done differently in the organization too it's also about those thinking about how people will react to change too. Because yes, there are people that really like to engage with change. I mean, if you think about it, we're all used to change in our lives. We change our hairstyles, we change our car, we might move house. So we're all used to it. What happens though in organizations is that change is often imposed on people without giving them the opportunity to raise their ideas, their hopes, their fears, etc. So it's about being able to create that space for people to have dialogue about change in organizations. Yeah, The other point I'd raise is about for managers and leaders to think about the perspectives of of their teams and how they view change. And I I describe it as as the hilltop perspective, which means about managers standing on their hilltop in organizations and then looking down They will have a very different perspective about change compared to, say, members of their team who are standing on another hilltop and looking down. So what managers need to do is to move across to the hilltop of their staff to see how are they viewing it? How do they view change? How do they view what's happening within the
0: organisation? Very good. So. What I got from what you've just said there, Julie, is is almost a sense of being able to label the type of change that we're here to try and implement and and to create. And then perhaps through that labeling, you've talked about regulatory type change, you know, it has to happen. We don't have a choice and it's got to look this way versus um, a type of change where input is possible, involvement of, of employees, of leaders, and in, in creating proper dialogue spaces for for that, those contributions to be made, so mindfully understanding the type of change that you're actually trying to bring about.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a good way about it. Is rather than labelling it, it's about being an understanding of the different types of change yeah. that can evolve in an organisation, and thinking about the impact of that change on the people within the organisation.
0: Great, thank you. So let's move on to our second area of interest today, the gorgeous and messy subject of emotions. So in your book, you share a definition of change by Orgie and Mikel as being mm-hmm. any adjustment or alteration that has the potential to influence the organization's stakeholders, physical or psychological experience. I really like this definition as it includes a psychological impact And you've rightly pointed out that emotions are contagious. So as we know, leaders need to be aware. A lot of organisations simply don't want to pay attention to them um, as it's perhaps uncomfortable. So what top tips do you have for addressing emotions well in pursuit of effective change?
1: Hmm. Um, So it's about recognising that change is an emotive process. It does involve emotions. And even although when we enter an organisation, we're often, we leave our emotions at the door. And actually, it's hard to disengage emotions from change, in fact. So it is about, as I said earlier, about recognising the different perspectives of others. So being aware of how they see organisational change from their hilltop. It's about recognising the complexity of emotions because really emotions are made up of so many different facets. And it's about recognising that we do bring ourselves to work as, as, as well. Yeah. Um, I think it's about recognising, but actually managers recognising and acknowledging emotional reactions to change. So why may someone say something or behave in a certain way? It's about being able to find out what's driving that behavior. That's important. Um, and that, again, is about creating space to listen to people, to find out why they feel that way about change. That's important. And, and a safe space. It's about creating that safe psychological space where people feel listened to and where there's a, a level of empathy about what they're seeing as well. Um, and also, I think it's really important that, Um, In in terms of understanding the emotions of change, it's about ensuring that organizational members, employees are clear on on the need, the rationale for change, because sometimes people will react in certain ways because they don't have clarity about why the change is happening. Um, You know, they may not know why are these changes being made? Um, What is required from the change? What are the outcomes that are needed from the change? Yeah. what will happen if they don't change as well, and why now is the time to change. So it's about having that clarity that's important. It is also about, um, you know, as I said, acknowledging, but just monitoring and checking on people and their emotions when it comes to change too, because change is related to the well-being within the organization and in particular the well-being of individuals within the organization. And it's also about re- addressing the reasons for any opposition. You know, it's often called resistance to change. So actually, why are people behaving that way? In fact, why do they resent? Why do they oppose the change itself too?
0: Yeah. And just exploring those answers a little bit more, um, <laughs> all of that takes time yeah. and it takes leaders to be present in their own emotions and and. Yeah accept their role in helping people through change mm. um, in your consulting experience i mean these days what, what what percentage of leaders tend to do this well if you had to kind of give us a finger in the air type number um, i think that's difficult i don't think i could put a
1: number on it um, but I think it's wherever it's possible to do so is about actually seeing the benefits of it yep. you know yep. we, we hear all sorts of numbers about change that fails or change that doesn't isn't sustained in an organization and to make change that is sustainable and becomes business as usual and is embedded in the organization that involves people so actually spending time and um, finding out how people feel about the change, why they react in that way, can actually be beneficial in the long term because it can help to ensure that the change realizes its benefits. Yeah, great.
0: Thanks, Julie. So um, coming on to our final area for today, which is understanding and carrying out cultural change. So firstly, in your view, how important is culture in comparison to other aspects of business in general?
1: Yeah, very important, because culture is, 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 is the way things are done in the organisation. You know, it's the values, it's the artefacts, it's the manifestations. Um, so it is very, very important, in fact, um, within an organisation, definitely. Yeah.
0: yeah. So secondly, what are some of the critical success factors you believe any organisation needs to be aware of when undertaking
1: cultural change work? So I'd say, first of all, that it's very hard now and impossible to change a culture overall. What what organizations can do is they can change elements of that culture. So they may be able to change how people are, um, how their performance is managed. They might be able to change how um, customer satisfaction is is dealt with. They might be able to change, um, you know, research and innovation processes within the organization. So it's how that can be done because ultimately changing elements will have an impact overall on on a culture in fact so it is about knowing the culture and knowing you know what what the key elements are within that culture what drives that culture that is important to begin with definitely but also thinking about what do we want the future culture to be like and yeah. how will we get how will we get there And bearing in mind that, you know, the leaders throughout an organization, they help to make that culture real. They help to embed it and to socialize that culture throughout the organization. it's about looking at um, some of the hurdles some of the blockers that can get in the way of changing these different elements of the culture and how these can be addressed and also looking at you know what are the key parts what are the real strengths within the culture and how can they be built upon too and of course it's about engaging people in in changing any any elements of of the culture because change is much more effective when people are able to participate in it they're able to you know be involved right from the start of it as well but also it's important to to be able to clearly articulate why any elements of the culture need to be changed some cultures of organizations are like you know the deep roots of a tree and it's very hard to pull them up and uh, you know they are completely rooted in in the ground and that's why i make changing the whole culture can be really hard, but changing elements of the culture is much more feasible to do.
0: I used to say it it takes seven years to change large parts of culture. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that was kind of an old rule of thumb. My instincts tell me that, well, A, we don't have time to spend seven years on changing elements of culture. What would be your best guess on, you know, if this was being consciously, managed and led how long what's possible how quickly could we change significant parts of a culture do you think
1: Uh, yeah I mean it depends what elements you're changing you know you can put in new performance management systems for example um, over, over a number of months and that can start to make changes to the culture itself. But what, what makes the difference is that the change is actually embedded in the culture. That's, that's when the ch- real change happens. Yeah, Absolutely. when it becomes no longer change, but it becomes the way of the people are behaving the way that they are working as well. Yeah.
0: And finally, whilst, whilst we haven't kind of discussed this question, but you're, you're making me think it might be a good one, is have you got any top tips for embedding new ways of working a culture so you said embedding is key yeah yeah Some
1: so topics. there has to be uh, uh, sorry there has to be ownership of taking the change forward there has to be engagement at a middle management level of often middle managers are, are just you know the change comes from the top of an organization middle managers are told to pick it up and make it happen that's a really hard place to be. So it's about involving managers right at the start. So they, they are the people that will take it forward and, and make it happen. It's about having clear measurements in place as, as well and being able to evaluate those measurements and, and track them too. And, and being clear about what the outcome will be. So what what's the benefits that will be achieved too. But it's also really important to ensure that people have the capabilities they have the skills the knowledge and the experience to effectively you know change their ways of working change the way that they are behaving and that they have have support should they find it difficult to
0: yeah. You know that's great really uh, some really good content there julie so thank you and i'm sure our listeners will be delighted to to get this slice of you voc- uh, verbally as, as well as all those great books that you've written um, i know there's so much more we could talk about uh and you know perhaps you may consider talking with us again at some point later in the year or early 23 but thank you so much for your time today yeah, you're
1: welcome. Very more, very happy to follow up with another conversation. And thank you for the opportunity to, to talk with you today and, and to, to talk to your listeners as well. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Julie.